Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery interview. I am Edmonton Journal Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. We do, of course, do two press galleries a week now, one of which is our Friday analysis bunch of journos sitting around a table talking nonsense and we have a midweek one in which we bring in somebody involved in the political scene. Of course, listeners, you can and should subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you happen to podcast. Any questions, comments or concerns, shoot me an email, egraney at postmedia.com or you can find me on Twitter, probably tweeting out cute puppy gifts at Emma L. Graney. This week we have former Wild Rosa, uh... I would say Brian Jean, staunch supporter. Now, now, what are you, Vitor? You're a man about town. What, I, I, what, I'm a man I... about town. I'm doing some research and, uh, you know, writing a few things and uh, spending a lot of time with my daughter who'd been ignored for a few years. So it's 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 really good. <laughs> it's really good. So Vitor Marciano, you are of course with the Wild Rose Party for quite some time. I was. Uh, I. I started in Wild Rose in uh, early 2010. Danielle Smith sort of brought me in to uh, um, professionalize the party. And mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of being there at the beginning when we had uh, very little staff and very little money. And uh, in short order, we had a bit of staff and a lot of money and uh, then a few MLAs and then a few less MLAs. And then we bounced back and had a few more MLAs. So I've been there through all of that. It's been quite the emotional roller coaster for you, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, it? Politics has not been boring in Alberta since about 2009. Right. Well, it's it's like that. I mean, uh, for a long, long time, politics in Alberta was pretty straightforward. And then in 2009, sort of things started changing. Uh, the PCs weren't doing a good job of listening. Uh, government sort of gets stale that way or, or the wrong people end up calling the shots and all sorts of interesting things sort of happened from that point on. Now, the reason I wanted to bring you in here today, um, we often get uh, politicians on this podcast, uh, particularly for the weekly interview, but as we get closer to an election, um, the folks who have worked behind the scenes, and you're one of them, through many years you've worked behind the scenes in politics, and I wanted to kind of get your take. Obviously, the election has not been called yet. Do you know, when do you reckon it's going to be called? Uh, I suspect that the NDP will come back, do a throne speech, mm-hmm. do a budget, Ooh, budget, calling the budget. They won't pass the budget, Mm -hmm. but a few days after they do the budget, they'll probably drop the writ and campaign on that budget. And I say that because, you know, we're uh, recording this on Wednesday morning, so I haven't seen the third quarter fiscal update, but I suspect Mm -hmm. that the numbers in the third quarter fiscal update are ugly, 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 and no government would want to go into an election with that being the last set of official numbers. Mm -hmm. So when you do a budget, instead of having the ugly, 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 ugly third quarter fiscal update numbers, you get to talk about the government's official projections for what the full year will be, Mm -hmm. and the fourth quarter will be better than the third, and the government's fiscal projections for what the next year and the next few years will be. So to me, campaigning on a budget makes a lot more sense than campaigning with the albatross of the Q3 fiscal numbers that caught the, you know, the, the, the complete collapse of oil sales because of the price differential. Now, the Conference Board of Canada has come out this morning and said, when you're speaking about the way that the economy is projected to go, I think they're saying Alberta is going to be dead last among the provinces. So <laughs> it seems like the NDP might be kind of hooped when it comes to these economic numbers. I suspect that the NDP will end up relying on other people's projections of the economy. Um, personally, I'm, I'm terrified that we're headed into uh, the second deeper dip of a double dip recession. 
Um, I actually think we're in in some fiscal trouble. Uh, and I think the NDP is going to be trying to uh, put the uh, the most optimistic gloss on this. Now, that, that's good politics. As a general rule, you know, whatever political party is the most optimistic about the future tends to do the best in an election. But, you know, I'm not sure that this election will be an election where general rules apply. I want to pick your brains about that. How do you think this is going to be different from, say, 2015 or 2012? Um well, it's very different from 2012. 2012 was in some ways a normal election. Uh, as it's shaping up right now, and I say that because this is Alberta and things could change tomorrow. <laughs> um, as it's shaping up right now, this is actually a lot like the 2015 election in the sense that the 2015 election was a protest vote and voters weren't going to vote for the PCs. They'd had it and they weren't going to vote for the PCs. And the PCs kept telling everybody they were still going to win the election, but th that was actually a really dumb strategy because that just encouraged people to not vote for the PCs. Uh, when, when Jim Prentice's people ran around and told everybody they were going to win 52 seats, everybody said, well, you're not winning mine and I'll hold my nose and vote for whoever I have to to stop you from winning. I think this election in huge parts of Alberta, uh, voters are going to say, I'm not voting NDP and I'll hold my nose and do whatever the heck I have to to prevent the NDP from winning. So it's going to be the, the, the backward swing of that pendulum. It's going to be the opposite side protest vote. That's what it's lining up to right now. Um, Jason Kenney could develop a two-month-long period of laryngitis, and that would probably help him win the election by even more. <laughs> now, um, there's obviously not a lot of love lost between yourself and Jason Kenney. Am, am I wrong? I'm a... I'm a long-term fan of Jason Kenney in the sense that I have personally and traditionally been supportive of his type of politics. Um, I'm not as much of a social conservative as Jason is, but I'm still a social conservative. You know, I think sometimes society needs to slow down and only change at, at a measured speed instead of wild and quickly. Um, but I have to admit that, you know, the last couple of years, Jason and I haven't seen eye to eye on a bunch of things. I'm a, I'm a free agent in this election. So uh, <laughs> I, get to, uh, I get to call them as I see them from my perspective as a, you know, a reasonable fiscal conservative, a reasonable social conservative, uh, a big uh, democratic reform conservative. I'm, 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 I am not a fan of how we do politics and how we do government in Alberta. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. And uh, uh, I only see Jason working to fix a few of those things. So you're kind of like a like a Jason Kenney hipster. You liked him years ago. You liked his early records. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one, I've never been a hipster on anything. So <laughs> it, it, the, the metaphor doesn't really work for me. Um, I, I I'm a fan of... Many of Jason Kenney's policies on the federal level, I've, I'm a fan of his general aggressive style of politics. Um, I think Jason Kenney would have made a pretty good prime minister. I'm deeply concerned that he hasn't been paying enough attention to Alberta for long enough and that he's vibrating at the wrong frequency on a bunch of issues and that he's taking the advice of the wrong people on a bunch of issues. Uh, uh, provincial politics is very, very different from federal politics. Um, the problems we have and the solutions that are available to us are very, very different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, 
there are some policy directions that Jason Kenney has taken that I don't support and I don't agree with. Like like what? And I don't want to, you know, pick your brains about your personal favorites and 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 not favorites of policies, but when it comes to that notion of maybe not reading the room in Alberta, can you can you expand on that a little bit more? Some of the policies that perhaps you don't I'll think I'll give you one in? example. Okay. Um two Sundays ago Jason Kenney was asked about uh his policy on the equalization referendum. Now, that's an idea that Jason Kenney took from Brian Jean. Brian Jean first talked about it in March of 2017. Uh, in September of 2017, Jason Kenney realized it was a good idea, so he started campaigning on it. He got a couple of breaks from the media because the national media had never heard about it before, so they started calling it Jason Kenney's idea. And it, it helped him win the leadership race. And ever since then, Jason Kenney's gotten softer and softer and softer and softer on that idea. And on, on that Sunday, about two weeks ago, he said, you know, the referendum is a last resort. And then he said, I believe if we can get just one more pipeline, that Albertans will stop being concerned about equalization and the fiscal imbalance. Um, I think that's just dead wrong. One more pipeline isn't good enough. Um, when Jason Kenney said one more pipeline, he meant Trans Mountain. Trans Mountain is 600,000 barrels a day of increased capacity. So it means that Alberta will finally be able to get 600,000 more barrels a day to a deep water port. Now, if you think about it, that means that the sum total of oil that we'll be able to sell to Asia and, you know, India and China will be 600,000 barrels a day. Well, that's nothing. Like that, that is nothing. That is, that is right now, that's about 15% of Alberta's production. And that will become about 12 or 13, 11% of Alberta's production going forward if the, if the energy sector bounces back in any way or shape or form. If you're stuck having to send, sell 88% of your production to just one customer, the United States, mm. a customer that is producing more and more oil every month and no longer needs you, you're hooped. We need the capacity to sell a million, a million and a half, two million barrels a day to the rest of the world so that we're not completely dependent on the Trump U.S., or even worse, on the U.S. in, 20, uh, in 2020 run by a Democrat who will like us even less. Um, so we, how does this apply with equalization? Well, equalization, and the club that we have on equalization is the only club we have to get the rest of Canada to pay attention to pipelines. Right, I see what you're saying. We, we have one hammer. It is the fact that we can create constitutional chaos, we can... We can rattle the rest of the country and equalization is the hammer that we have to rattle the rest of the country. And if you say we're prepared to give up that hammer to get Trans Mountain, and I think Trans Mountain is a wonderful pipeline, it's just not enough. And Jason Kenney said, one more pipeline. If we could just get one pipeline. And pipelines are pretty easy to get in Canada, I've noticed. Everyone's <laughs> super easy. It's super easy. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's and totally behind them. Everyone's totally behind them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you uh, you obviously were part of Brian Jean's leadership campaign um, for the UCP. I was. Um, now, there's been some kind of kerfuffle around that this week. There've been What's happening there, Vitor? Leadership campaigns are always rough. They're always, what? No, they're no, lovely. What are you talking lovely. about? They're lovely. Um, they're always rough inside parties. Uh, you'll always get uh, a handful of people who love doing rough politics. Um, and that happened in this leadership race. And I'm not going to dwell on that. That's, you know, rough politics is rough politics. Uh, the problem is sometimes rough politics crosses the line into law breaking. And we now have, you know, 
at least one investigation into that. And, you know, Jason Kenney should get ahead of that. There, that, that investigation is real. Uh, those people who are in political circles and, and look at the, uh, at, at Jeff Calloway's uh, donation filing will immediately go, hmm, some people who make um, less money than junior reporters made some massive donations. That's to a, not a lot of money, by the that, way. That's listeners. not a lot of money. Junior reporters, <laughs> senior reporters are massively underpaid in this country. And as a conservative, you know, you can get me going on a rant about how messed up the media is <laughs> and, and how unfairly treated we are and how, how we should all be terrified of having no media at all, because that's the direction hey, we're Hey, you and Brian Mason agree on that, actually. This he is, said the this same thing the other week. Um, but ultimately, you know, to go back to the topic we were on, um, ultimately, this investigation is going to find skullduggery. Allegedly, laws were broken. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, those of us who know politics, when we look at the list of donors, we go, wow, I don't think my eyebrow could go any higher. Mm. That's a problem. Yeah. Do, do you think, though, that voters care? Do you think that you, is this going to make any difference whatsoever when it comes to the election? Right now, I'd have to say they probably don't. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of a tweet I saw on Twitter where somebody said, you know, I'd vote for an axe murderer to get rid of the NDP. Wow. Yeah. So um, it Kid, probably- Kids don't it, do that. <laughs> it, yeah, don't do that. Uh, it probably won't matter. But it, it's going to be this problem that's going to take the UCP off message throughout the election if they don't get ahead of it. Is there a difference here in that sense between Alberta politics and, and federal politics, kind of what goes on in Ottawa and what was brought over here to Alberta? Um, yes and no. Actually, I think the biggest difference between the two is that uh, there is still lots of media in Ottawa politics and there's less media in, in Alberta politics. So l less stories get coverage, less things can elevate from being a small thing to being a medium-sized thing to being a big thing. Um, you know, if voters only spend a minute or two a week thinking about politics, generally provincial politics only take up 15, 20 seconds of that. And so, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the big things, the economy, worried about your job, worried about your kid's future, um, all of the pieces of politics don't matter very much. So are you, um, and now back to what you're doing now, uh, so you're working with Brian Jean, are you? Brian and I have been doing a little bit of research together. I've, yeah. uh, I've done some work for a foundation that he's created that's going to be talking about, you know, resource issues and, and fiscal issues, stuff like that. I, I don't want to get a, a too much ahead of some of the things that he'll announce. <laughs> you, but you don't want to scoop Brian. I don't want to scoop Brian, but he's been, he's been clear he's going to do more advocacy. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, there's, there's lots of room for advocacy in politics. Um, I'm reminded of this wonderful quote, and it may, it may not be true, from, uh, from President Roosevelt. He's uh, being meeting with a, a group of people who are trying to uh, convince him on an issue. And he says, gentlemen, you've convinced me. Now go out and lobby me so I have political cover to do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, good advocacy work can introduce issues into the public mind and uh, get get voters and and politically active people thinking about things and ultimately lead to putting stuff on the political agenda. And I think Brian still has a, a little bit of fire in his belly to still influence the overall political agenda. Well, of course, he's got a new baby now to look after. So there's that. He's had all sorts of distractions in his life. Uh, you know, some of them are very, very happy and positive and, and, and some of them, uh, you know, unfortunate, but, but such as life. 
when it comes to the election, I was on a panel last night and Janet Brown, based out of Calgary, she's a pollster, was doing this polling about, you know, where people are sitting and specific to the pipeline question. But something that really stood out to me was this idea of right now it seems like a foregone conclusion that the UCP will win and will win a majority government. Do you think, and this is something that Janet brought up that I'm interested to pick your brains about, that voter apathy could potentially play a role here? You you mentioned earlier about people holding their nose and voting to get rid of the NDP, but if people think the UCP is going to win and win handily, do you think that voter apathy and just people not showing up could be an issue here for the UCP? Voter turnout is still going to cause all sorts of sort of complications in different regions. All of the polling that I've seen, and I've seen a lot of it, mm. and I, I've, I've, I've read it and looked at it carefully, still says that that the anti UC uh, sorry the anti NDP voters are more highly motivated than the anti UCP voters. So I don't think apathy is going to be a play so much. You know, this is Jason Kenney's election to lose, and and if he plays it carefully and if he doesn't you know make too many mistakes, he won't you know he won't lose it. But everybody always assumes that, you know, voters are locked into the positions that they tell their friends and their pollsters about. And that's not the case. I mean, there's a certain percentage of the voting public that is soft and fluid and they can turn on a dime Mm -hmm. and vote. We've seen that happen in Alberta. (laughs) I've lived it. Um, I I can tell you, in 2012, um, 4% of the population, which is 8% of the voters, changed their mind in the last weekend, and that was a 16-point swing. So literally- That's mental. (laughs) Yeah, if you think about it, literally out of, you take 100 adult Albertans, 50 of them aren't voting, so they don't matter, Mm -hmm. but four out of the 50, uh, sorry, four out of the one hundred out of out of the one hundred, which ends up being four out of the fifty, which which is eight percent, in the last weekend said, "I was gonna vote Wild Rose. I want to vote Wild Rose. I'm not that afraid of Wild Rose, but everybody else is just terrified. You know, the unions are going crazy, and big business is going crazy, and the Mounties are going crazy. And if I vote Wild Rose, am I gonna screw up the economy? And and literally, you know, those four people out of fifty flipped from voting for Wild Rose to voting PC. And you, you, the Wild Rose numbers drop by a little bit. The PC numbers go up by a little bit. And all of a sudden, Allison Redford has a 62-seat majority. And none of the voters saw that coming. There, it wasn't like the voters had a chance to digest that. It wasn't like there was ever a poll that said there was going to be a 62-seat uh, Allison Redford majority. I honestly believe that if the voters had had a chance to re-vote the very next day, the they would have swung back the other way. Um, these things happen in politics. And I think there's 15, 20% of the electorate that are not locked in on who they're voting for. And they could, if they stampede in one direction or another, things could get interesting. I think we're pretty much out of time here. Now, uh, I want to ask you, though, before you go, what do you think the outcome of the election is going to be? Gaze into your crystal ball, Vitor Marciano. Um, if I had to predict right now, Jason Kenney wins 68, 69, 70 seats. Maybe Greg Clark keeps his seat. Maybe Derek Fildebrandt wins his seat. The liberals are gone and the remaining seats go to the NDP. That's If I had to predict right now, if, if the vote were to happen tomorrow based on the polling I've seen, that's mm. what would happen. 
Are you sad that Wild Rose is gone? You know, Wild Rose was a movement. Um, and and there were a lot of really, really good people there who had a lot of moderate reforming ideas about changing politics. Uh, I'm hoping that more of those ideas will come to the fore again in the UCP. Right now, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people got, they've been sidelined. Um, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, cream will rise and therefore those good ideas will come back into having some influence. Uh, I will say this, it's hard to keep those good ideas down. It's hard to keep that attitude down. And if it gets completely ignored, you know, Wild Rose came back once, um, it might end up coming back again. Right on. Vito Marciano, thank you so very much for joining me here on the Press Gallery interview. Former Wild Rosa, now free agent, as you said. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you uh, spending here uh, Wednesday morning here with us. Thanks very much.